Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. Today we'll be focusing on the mortgage market. Homeowners aged 55 plus have accrued a remarkable £3.1 trillion in housing equity, according to Knight Frank Finance. So we'll be exploring how they could access that wealth to help younger generations get on the property ladder. I'm joined by David Forstyke, who is Head of Late in Life Finance at Knight Frank Finance, and Patrick Gower, who is a consultant to Knight Frank. So Patrick, could you set the scene for us a bit on the latest mortgage data that you're tracking? There are clearly lots of data points out there. Which ones are you following and what are the key highlights? Yeah, I think, you know, to understand some of the remarkable things that have taken place, it's worth running through some of the key data points chronologically, you know, even starting before lockdown. Because if you remember in the weeks following the December election, Knight Frank had transacted more exchanges than any equivalent period since 2016. And by the end of January, you know, the purchasing managers index was at a 16 month high. We were getting all these business surveys, particularly surveys of business leaders that indicated optimism was at its highest level in more than a decade. And at that time, it was a great time to be borrowing money. Uh, The Bank of England had held the base rate at 0.75% and high street lenders had been engaged in this fierce battle for market share. And in fact, during the preceding 12 months, the banks had been introducing new products at a rate of more than three a day. So throughout February, the market was extremely active. Banks issued more than 73,000 loans for house purchase, the most since January 2014. And so It really was at the beginning of March when the Bank of England made its first emergency rate cut to 0.25%, citing the spread of COVID-19 and the resulting volatility in financial markets that things really started to turn. And then, of course, the Bank of England cut the rate again just days later to 0.1%. So at that point, the lenders were inundated with applications for payment holidays, borrowers looking to cut their outgoings by locking in cheaper deals all the while grappling with the effects of the pandemic themselves. But I suppose I'll let Hina and David expand on that, as as unlike me, they've been dealing directly with the lenders. But by the end of April, one in seven mortgages were covered by payment holidays. Banks had withdrawn more than half the mortgage products available, down to about 7,500, and mortgage approvals for house purchases had fallen from 73,000 in February to just 9,300 in May, so down almost 90%. So that really was the low point. And since then, you know, with the reopening of the property market, the surge or or the rebound has been pretty well publicised. But just looking at the data in terms of where we are now, the the June Bank of England data, that's the latest we have available, shows that mortgage approvals for house purchase were back up to 40,000. So much better than that 9,300 we saw at the trough, but but nowhere near that 73,000 we saw back in February. But the leading indicators really do look much better. Night Bank Finance data for new business, particularly July was among the best for new business that Night Bank Finance has ever seen. And via a lending technology company called Mortgage Brain, they have a measure of ESIS volumes. It's essentially a proxy for broader mortgage market activity. And that suggests that July was among the most active months in the mortgage market in, in 2020. Do you think that those mortgage rates, do you think will be going back to pre-pandemic levels anytime soon? Or what do you think will, will be going on, I guess, in the next few months? Oh, we'd anticipate that it's a bit of a... Oh, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. But as I say, it really, really depends on how much of this activity lasts through the autumn when we have this 
impending wind up of various government support schemes and the effects on employment will dictate largely or to at least a significant extent what takes place in the mortgage market. But that's really, really difficult to judge at this point. As things stand, though, you know, if we look at Knight Frank data in terms of applicants, interest on websites and so on, the surge really isn't showing many signs of slowing for now anyway. And have you seen a reduction in higher loan-to-value lending currently? Yeah, between about 80 and 85% loan-to-value, and, and obviously below that it's pretty strong, but around 80 to 85% is where I'd say it's remaining resilient. But there's been a significant drop-off above that, which is obviously affecting first-time buyers particularly. More broadly, though, although there's a lot of activity, brokers now have got sort of 40% fewer mortgage products available than they had before the pandemic to choose from as banks are now still grappling with the effects of the pandemic and are just trying to really control the flow of business. So yes, high LTV lending is what suffered the most, but more broadly, there isn't this kind of range of choice that borrowers had pre-pandemic, although rates remain lower than they were certainly in late 2019. Thanks, Patrick. On that question of choice, I mean, David, I think it's a good place for you to come in here, really. Because I think what would be helpful to know is there's been quite a lot of talk in the press around potentially a retirement home might help younger generations get on the property ladder. I mean, what are the options here and how do you see the pandemic influencing mortgage markets and later living? Yes, I think there is definitely an opportunity here to look for new and different ways to stimulate the market and try and support first-time buyers. If we think about the uh, retirement home market, that is a steadily growing market. We're seeing an increase in demand for retirement housing. And it has been reported quite recently, actually, I think it's in the Property Wire magazine reported that retirees who move into new specialist retirement housing for every three people that move in, it could provide an opportunity for two first time buyers to purchase. So that could certainly stimulate the market. The other thing that I think is really interesting at the moment is the equity release market. We are seeing older homeowners looking at the equity in their property and looking to use it to help first time buyers. Patrick mentioned the lack of lending at uh, 85% or above. Well, I think this is where the bank of grandma and granddad can really make a big difference. They've got an opportunity here to raise some money and contribute to first-time buyer deposits to bring those deposits down to the 80% level and support that purchasing at the bottom end of the market. What's also interesting is that it needn't be an expensive exercise. There is a gap at the moment. If you look at mortgage rates for first-time buyers borrowing at, say, 85%, it's around about 0.3-0.4% more expensive than if they were borrowing at 80%. So if grandma and granddad can help them get to 80%, perhaps by using equity release, then they'll get a much cheaper mortgage. And the saving that they make could be used to service the interest on uh, on what their grandparents have borrowed. So that way, debts are not necessarily increasing in, in the wrong place. And how common do you think that will end up being? I mean, do you think there'll be quite strong take up of something like that? And how popular do you see that being for people in the UK? Yes, it's certainly being noticed by the industry. I think it's in the Mortgage Solutions magazine. They reported the fact that 
there's been an increase in people helping out first-time buyers. That's a combination of you know dipping into their savings or perhaps using equity release. But yes, across the industry, we are noticing more people wanting to release funds to help their family, help their children, their grandchildren. And I think it is becoming more common. I think what we've got to remember here is that the over 65s are holding the majority of property wealth in the UK. That is the generation that have enjoyed this huge uplift in property values over the last 30 odd years. And a lot of them that can afford to do so are now looking at ways to redistribute that wealth down through the generations. And that will, I think, help stimulate the market. It'll help support first-time buyers. Ultimately, it'll help the economy keep moving forwards. And how do you see the pandemic influencing this? I mean, clearly, you know, this was a trend that was going on previously. But I mean, do you think this will become a sort of more useful tool if, for example, we've seen nationwide capping gift deposits recently? Do you see this as being a more viable option? Yeah, the nationwide stance is is an interesting one. It would be good to understand their thinking behind that. But yes, I think we will continue to see first-time buyers being supported by parents and grandparents. I think there is a, a need for more market entrance, if I'm honest. The lifetime mortgage market at the moment has less than a dozen active lenders in it. And I think we could do with more lenders entering this market. And many might say it's a good time to enter the market. Long-term investments such as gilts are at uh, an all-time low at the moment. If you look at the 15-year gilt index, it's at a pretty low place at the moment. So institutional investment for the long term through the more traditional routes doesn't look too good. But perhaps funding more lifetime mortgage activity will be a better return for them and could help stimulate borrowing and and activity elsewhere. And David, are you able to tell us a bit about, and I I believe that there have been a few sort of cheaper lifetime mortgages coming onto the market. Why are these coming out and do you think that others will follow suit? Yes, well, it's it's actually really good news. As I mentioned earlier, the gilt, long-term gilt market has has dropped to quite a low point at the moment. I think this morning, 15-year gilt index was around about 0.4%. So, Lifetime mortgage borrowing tends to be quite closely related to what long-term gilts are doing. And this has pulled the cost of lifetime mortgages down to a, a low point at the moment. The cheapest rate in the lifetime mortgage market as of today is 2.28%. Now, with lifetime mortgages, these are fixed rates for life. So if you think about an average 70-year-old borrowing for the rest of their lives, which is potentially 15 to 20 years, 2.28% is is a pretty good deal. So yeah, it's activity elsewhere that's driven that pricing down. I also think there's perhaps a little bit of a stimulation from the fact that lifetime mortgage lenders have not lent as much as they had expected to in the first half of the year because of the pandemic, and they're therefore trying to keep their pricing low to stimulate more activity in the second half of the year. And just to finish, David, for the rest of the year, what would you say are the top three things that you'll be sort of watching out for coming down the tracks? And clearly, as Patrick has already outlined, it's a bit unclear, really, you know, what will happen over the next few months. But if you were to hazard your best guess, what are your key trends for the rest of the year? Oh, crikey, that's a tricky question. But I think if I were to pick three things that I'm looking out for, one, it would be good to see new entrants 
into the lifetime mortgage market. I've heard some rumours that we might see one or two new entrants, and I think that would be healthy for the industry. It'll boost people's confidence if more names, especially if they're household names, if more lenders come into the market. That's the first thing. Second thing is really an educational piece. The lifetime mortgage market is still a very small market, and older homeowners are as yet not fully aware of uh, what their options are. We recently conducted a survey of consumers to gain people's sort of sentiment towards equity release. And the results of that survey are due out very soon. But what the survey has shown us is that people have heard of equity release products, but they don't really know what they are. They don't really understand what they do. So there is a need for education. And I'll certainly be trying to contribute to that, but really looking out for the rest of the industry to chip in as well, perhaps even with some government support. So that's the second thing. Third thing, it would be good to see overall some stimulation to the economy to try and help us move forwards. So it would be good to see lenders at least not penalising first-time buyers too much, not pushing the prices of higher loan-to-value borrowing too high. Yes, I understand they've got to manage the risk at their end, but I'm really hoping that they will do what they can to stimulate that bottom end of the market so that the rest of the property and, and mortgage market can keep moving. If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information.